It's a church plant for many years uh, with Robert and Cindy, they're dear friends of ours, and with planting church in, in Toledo, Spain, it's uh, always fun to keep up with other church plants in, in the ARP and where our friends are involved to see, see how things are going and to try to learn from one another. So it's been a great joy to see your growth and to finally be with you all this morning. Uh, we're here for a very short time this summer, uh, only for this month of June uh, uh, here in South Carolina. Um, but it's, uh, like I said, it's great to be with you all. Uh, if you have any questions about our ministry, I'd love to share with you more. Uh, I have a little picture out in the hallway of our, of our church and a little bit of the work we're doing. Uh, we've been worshiping in Toledo now for about six years. We just had a sixth anniversary. And about every Sunday morning, we have about 50, 50 to 60 people join us to worship, including about 15 Ukrainian refugees. Um, uh, what a man meant for evil, God is using for good, even with this terrible war in Ukraine, uh, where refugees are hearing the gospel preached every week, translated by my wife or, or another woman uh, in the church into Ukrainian. Well, this morning we have a passage before us uh, from the book of Exodus, <clears throat> about evangelizing our families. And uh, we're going to read uh, the first 18, or the first 12 verses of chapter 18, but first let's pray. Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you that you have been so good to us to give us your words so that we may know you and have all that we need to come to a saving faith. Lord, open our eyes, cut to our hearts with your word that we may grow in faith, in fear, and in love of you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus chapter 18, uh, we're going to read the first 12 verses. This is the word of the Lord. Jethro, a priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershon, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he had sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with, with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all, all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' uh, with Moses's father-in-law. 
before God. This is the word of our Lord. What is one of the hardest things that you can do? Well, for some people, it might be playing sports. Uh, For others, it's painting pictures or playing the guitar. Uh, For me, it's bending over to touch my toes. Um, Something else that is very hard is often to evangelize your family, to share the gospel with your family members, especially with those who are living in great rebellion against God and against His Holy Word. Uh, For many people, the words of Jesus ring very true. In Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. But though it can be very hard to share the gospel with your family, it's imperative that we do so. It's literally a matter of life and death. But... Being that it is hard to do, where do we start? How should we do it? Well, this morning we have a passage from the book of Exodus, which can help us. It gives us several methods and several ways in which we can share the gospel with members of our family and others. In it, we see that we can be missionaries even to our own family. Uh, Specifically here on Father's Day, we see Moses evangelizing his father-in-law. And when we hear the word evangelize, uh, uh, many times when the people hear it, they immediately jump to false um, conclusions about what it means or they're filled with fear. They think that to evangelize or those who do evangelism uh, are the missionaries who are sent to faraway lands. Or they think of the odd person standing on the street before a football game holding up a big sign saying the end is near. Or they fear it because they think that their friends and family will reject them or make fun of them or or think that you are crazy and bigoted for believing that the only way to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith. But it ought not to be like that. Evangelism and evangelizing others is part of our responsibility as believers. As we read in the children's sermon in Matthew chapter 28, Go therefore, as you are going, wherever you are, be making disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And if you're scared, remember the last words, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission is not a recommendation, but a commandment. It's an order from God for us. He saved us, therefore we must be making disciples of the nations. But you can't give faith to someone. You can't force faith on someone. You can't convert anyone. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. So if you can't save someone, you can't convert them, what is your job? What is our job? Our job is to be witnesses. Our job is to proclaim the message and to live it. This morning we have before us this lesson and the importance of evangelism, and we'll see it in four parts. First, we'll see that Jethro 
heard what the Lord did with Moses. Second, we'll see that Jethro came to Moses. Third, that Jethro heard the testimony of Moses. And fourth, that Jethro believed the Lord. And so we begin seeing that Jethro heard what the Lord did with Moses. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, if you've never heard the Word, uh, the good news, it's not possible to be saved. You have to hear it to be able to believe and to be saved. And therefore, it's not surprising that the first part of evangelizing uh, Jethro here is that he heard what the Lord was doing. Verse 1 says, Jethro, a priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard that all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After the, the exodus and the great victory that God achieved against the great army of I Egypt, the news of the victory spread like wildfire. Egypt was the most powerful army in the world. Her army was the strongest and most modern. They had uh, the best cars or the chariots. But none of that mattered. Because the Lord God judged them and destroyed them with the ten plagues and with the waters of the Red Sea. The news of the destruction of the army of Egypt was so great that it was impossible to hide. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Rahab declares, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you for we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Jethro was living in a land that traded with Egypt. Within days of the destruction of the army by the Red Sea, surely he had heard what the Lord had done to Pharaoh and his great army. But to hear a report is very different from hearing the personal testimony of someone who was there. Last week in Ukraine, the great dam in Kherson was damaged, was destroyed, part of it by bombs. Every sign, even the New York Times is now saying that Russia was behind this destruction and flooding that has killed many and destroyed many houses. We've all seen the photos and the videos in the news, but it is quite different when your brother-in-law sends you videos that he took when he and others from the church went down there and helped a lady open up her house for the first time to see the destruction. It's different when you see family and friends standing among the ruins of the cities and villages near Kharkov where they had grown up and went to school and which have now been completely destroyed. It's different when a lady who had sought refuge in our church in Toledo later sends a video and audio messages in which you can hear the bombs and the bullets in the background because she went home and her home is behind enemy lines. Jethro heard the news about Egypt, but he wanted to know more. He wanted to know the truth, and therefore he sought out his son-in-law. 
And God tends to work in this way, that in order to prepare someone to hear and believe the gospel, God first lets them hear fragments and snippets of the truth. And he gives them a hunger to find out more. Uh, Two years ago on Tuesday, I had the great honor of baptizing Mercedes and receiving her as a member of our church in Toledo. And Mercedes is in her 60s. She grew up in a country that's supposedly Christian, and for most of her life, she did have access to a Bible, but she never desired to open it or read it. But then suddenly, in the middle of the pandemic, the Holy Spirit began to provoke an uneasiness inside of her. He began to push her to read the Bible, that just like Augustine, the Holy Spirit was basically telling her, Toli lege, take up and read. That's the first step. It's to know something about God and to, and to have this uneasiness of the heart, something that's provoked by the Holy Spirit. It's the desire to know more. And the second step is to find a Bible or a believer, and that's exactly what Jethro did. That's the second point this morning. Jethro found Moses. Verse 5 reads, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness when he, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Uh, We don't know when Moses had sent his wife and kids away to his father-in-law, nor the circumstances behind it. Uh, Perhaps before the plagues, perhaps after. We don't know. None of it really matters, though. What is important here is the fact that even the names of Moses' sons were testimonies to the gospel. Verse 3, we're reminded that the firstborn of Moses was named uh, Gershom, uh, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The home of Moses in Israel was not Egypt. Therefore, uh, Gershom was a reminder that Israel belonged to the Lord and not to Egypt. Verse 4 continues in the name of the other, uh, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Uh, Eliezer was a reminder that the salvation is from the Lord God. Every time that Jethro called the name of his two grandsons, he heard part of the gospel. And later he heard all that God did in Egypt. And now hearing of the great victory over Egypt, Jethro wanted to hear more. But rather than ask others, he he went to the source. He went to his son-in-law. Moses was now the great leader of Israel. He was the mediator between God and, and man. He was the prophet. He was God's prophet leading more than two million people in the desert. He was a very important person. But when Jethro came, we also see something very special in Moses. We see his humility and his love. Verse 7 says, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked about uh, their welfare and went into the tent. Moses humbled himself by running to his father-in-law. you got to remember, Moses is 80 years old. He's the leader of two million people. And he's running old Men, leaders in in ancient times in in those places there, they don't run. But Moses ran to his father-in-law and he bowed down. Even though he had a higher office than Jethro, he bowed down before him and kissed him. 
The pastor Phil Bryken notes, here we see that Moses maintained a good balance between the two things essential for evangelism, that he maintained a good balance between love and truth. For evangelism, we have to maintain a good balance between love and truth. That's to say, if you don't have love, then you won't want to evangelize your neighbor. You won't want to share the gospel with your family members. And if you know the truth, but withhold it from someone or tell them a lie, then it's neither truth nor love. Yes, it's easier to lie. Yes, it's easier to stretch the truth. But a lie will never save anyone. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. The cross and the gospel are offensive to the non-believing world. They're folly to the world. But they're the power of God for those who believe in Jesus. Therefore, if you truly love someone, someone who is, say, dying of cancer, if you truly love them, then it's your duty to tell them the truth. You need to tell them that without faith in Jesus, that when they die, he or she will be judged for their sins, that they will be condemned to hell for all of eternity. But and this, is, this is very important. If you go to the hospital and stand alongside their bed and say, you're dying, convert or burn. Well, it's the truth, but it's probably not the best way to preach the gospel. It's true, but it's lacking in love. Uh, the situation is completely different, however, if you enter their room and with humility and love tell them, John, you've been my best friend for 30 years. It pains me to see you suffering like this and dying. I wish it were possible for me to take your place. And I say that not because I want to die, but because I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that by my faith in Jesus, He will raise me up. That when I die, I will be with Him in heaven for all of eternity. My faith gives me that hope. And if you will let me, I would love to tell you more about this hope that I have. I wish that you would have this same faith, this same hope, and that we would be friends forever, even after death. Did you notice the difference between these two approaches? The message is the same. Both are true, but in the second, the person is proclaiming the truth with love and humility. One pastor said it's probable that a non-believer doesn't know if you're telling them the truth. This is understandable. You need to have the Holy Spirit to know that the Word of God is the truth, and without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to come to knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. But what they do know is whether you love them or not. This is what we see with Moses. He loved his father-in-law. And with love and humility, he preached the truth to him. And this is the third point this morning, that Jethro heard the personal testimony of Moses. Verse 8 says, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Uh, this is only one verse, but in reality it is a summary of the first 17 chapters of this book. Moses is telling Jethro everything 
that God had done, telling him about the prophecies and the promises fulfilled and those yet to come. And in all of it, Moses never took glory for himself, but rather gave all the glory to God. God was the one who saved Israel, who saved Moses. When we think about our testimonies, our personal testimonies, they don't have to be great st- stories of great conversions. Yes, I know of pers- persons who were drug addicts, great pagans, uh, criminals and others who, who were later born again by the Holy Spirit and converted to a saving faith in Christ. And it's amazing to hear how God opened their eyes, broke their chains of addiction, and gave them the gift of faith. Much like Moses, they have great testimonies of the saving power of the Lord. But for the, of the thousands of believers that I have met, the majority of them don't have such testimonies. The majority are much like me. I grew up in a Christian family. I attended a Protestant church from birth. Like Timothy, I learned the scriptures from my parents from my youth. I, I can't tell you the exact moment when I was converted. Because I always felt close to the Lord. From my childhood, I believed in Jesus. Yes, there were moments that in my walk with the Lord where I grew greatly in faith. I grew greatly in knowledge and love of the Lord. But I can't tell you the exact moment I first believed. Only now that I am a child of God. It's like the joke, the Baptists will give you the time, date, stamp of their, their conversion. The Presbyterians will give you the decade. And for many people, hearing a testimony like this, well, that's, that's kind of boring. That's a boring testimony. It's not amazing like my friend who, who was a drug addict and God saved him one night on the street. But although it appears boring, I can assure you it isn't. Our story is a story of God's faithfulness. It's a story of how God works and often works in families of the covenant. It's a story of the faithfulness of God. Yes, it's true that not all children of believers will remain in the church. Not all will come to a saving faith in Christ. Some will reject the faith of their parents. But at the same time, many children of believers will profess faith. In Jesus, many will believe in Jesus because the Lord will give them the same gift of faith that He gave to their parents. That His faithfulness is for generations. And the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, is not boring. It is a story worth telling and repeating and singing day after day. Great is thy faithfulness. Likewise, every time that God saves a person who was dead in their sins, it is a great miracle. It's a great evidence of His grace and love. And if you are a believer, therefore, no matter how how, how you were saved, no matter if you had a great conversion moment or if you grew up as a child of the covenant, you have a story worth telling. You have much of which you can share about the faithfulness of God and all that He has done for you in order to save you and carry you to where you are right now. And this is what Moses did. 
He told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done for him. And fourthly, this morning, we see the reaction of Jethro. We see that Jethro believed in the Lord. Romans says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. God used Moses to proclaim his word to Jethro. And at the same time, we see that God was already working in the heart of Jethro to prepare him to receive and believe this word. And God usually works like that. Uh, Yes, it's true. Sometimes God will miraculously save someone who has had very little preparation, very little contact with other believers. That suddenly God will interrupt their life and call them out of darkness and sin. But this is actually the exception. The majority of the time, God uses His Holy Spirit and His sons and daughters by faith. He uses us. He uses His church to spend much time preparing another person to hear and receive the gospel. Think of Jethro. Moses had met him 40 years earlier when he had fled from Egypt. In chapter 2, Moses ran into Jethro's daughters in the desert. Uh, The shepherds of the land were harassing them and not letting them draw water for their sheep. But Moses, having just met them, defended these women. Later, after meeting and eating with their father, with Jethro, Jethro gave Zipporah to Moses to be his wife. And surely in those 40 years that Moses lived with and worked with Jethro, he talked with him much about his faith in the Lord. He had to talk with him because sheep generally don't make great conversation partners. And they spent many days tending sheep in the desert. We also know that Moses shared the gospel with him because of the names that Moses gave his sons. And remember, during all this time, During these 40 years, Jethro continued to be a priest of Midian. Think about it. Moses lived with and was married to the daughter of a pagan priest. And through Moses, this pagan priest heard the gospel and later believed in the Lord. That like Abraham, he too believed in the Lord and, was, and by his faith, his faith was counted to him by his righteousness. He was justified by his faith. And when Jethro was confronted with the truth of all that God had done, when he was confronted with the gospel, together with the gift of faith that God was working in his heart and which is only by the grace of God, Jethro could no longer deny the truth of the supremacy of God It took him 40 years, but he finally had to respond. And this is true for everyone. When you hear the gospel, there is only two options. You can reject it and reject the Lord Almighty, or you can humble yourself and believe it. You can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. But as we have seen, you can only believe if God has first regenerated your heart, has first given you a new heart of flesh. You can only believe if God has taken that first step to open your eyes to the truth of His Word. In the case of Jethro, God opened his eyes and gave him that gift of faith, and Jethro believed. And immediately after, verse 9 says, he began to rejoice for all the good that the Lord had done for Israel and all that He had delivered them 
uh, in, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now, as a believer, Jethro immediately began to profess his faith. Verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Because of this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. Jethro here used the personal name of God, used the name, the covenantal name of God. In verse 10, he said, The Lord is the Savior. Yahweh is greater than all the gods. He's professing his faith in the God of the covenant. He believed in the God who told Moses, I am who I am. Jethro now has a personal saving faith in him. Before that, he didn't. For 40 years, he didn't. But now he does. Now, in this very moment, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Think about the depth of this declaration. The pagans of the time believed that every tribe and every nation had its own gods. And as a pagan priest, Jethro used to offer sacrifices to the gods of the Midianites. But with this confession, he is now saying that all of that was in vain. All those years that he had spent as a pagan priest were in vain because now he knows that those gods were false gods. Now he knows that the Lord is God over all the gods and over all the lands. That the Lord is the only God, the living and true, the God Almighty. The Midianites were the same people who had enslaved Joseph. Later in Numbers 20, chapter 25, God ordered the death of the Midianites. He was judging them for their many sins and put them under a death sentence. And Jethro was one of their priests. But the grace of God is greater than the sins of Jethro. The salvation of God is so great that it includes more than just the children of Israel. God promised to Abraham that he would be a blessing for all the families of the earth. And we see this even in Exodus. When God led Israel out of Egypt, chapter 12, verses 37-38 says, And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. The mixed multitude were Egyptians and other people of the land who saw the power of the Lord and who believed the Lord and who left in faith with Israel. And so from the beginning, the true people of God is much, much greater than just the biological children of Israel. It's as we see in Galatians, those children of faith, those who believe are the true children. That with Jethro, we see that the plan of God was to save both Jews and Gentiles. That God desired to save a people from every nation, from every tribe, and from every tongue. That God even desired to save great sinners such as this pagan priest. And God saved them, saved Jethro, so that his name would be proclaimed and glorified in all the earth. 
In Revelations chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, we have an image of the glory that is still to come. We see the angels and all the saints will sing together. Verse 3, this they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. All the nations will worship the Lord Jesus Christ because God will save people from every nation. This is the plan of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul was like Jethro. No, he wasn't a pagan priest but he was very zealous in his desire to persecute the church. He was an enemy of God, dead in his sins, but at the same time, he thought that he was good with God. The problem, however, was in the end, he didn't know God. He didn't know Him yet. 1 John chapter 2, verses 23, 22 and 23 says, Who is the liar but he who denies Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Paul denied Jesus, and therefore he denied God the Father. Jethro also. He denied that God was the only God. But God, in His great love, in His great mercy, but God, in His great grace, saved both of these sinners. And if God can save a great sinner such as Paul, if God can save a pagan priest of Midian, if the grace of God is so great to save people like Paul or Jethro, it can save a sinner like you or like me. This is the gospel in the book of Exodus. Here we see that God can change the heart and save a pagan Gentile priest and fill him with faith, hope, and joy and love. And right after believing and professing faith in the Lord, Jethro began to worship God. Verse 12 says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. This last image here is that of a great celebration, but it's even more. Here we have the image of a covenant meal. It's the meal being consumed after cutting a covenant. Jethro is no longer a foreigner, but rather now part of the family of God. So in closing, do you want to evangelize your family and your friends? You want to know how to evangelize them? First, you must do it with love and faith. You need to love them with the love of Christ and proclaim to them the truth of His Word. Tell them your testimony. Tell them the story of what God did to save you and to bring you to a saving faith. Tell them what God is doing in your life. But at the same time, you need to live your life in such a way that your friends can see Jesus in your life. The jailer in Philippi uh, ran to Paul and Silas because he knew that only they could tell, them, tell him how to be saved. 
Jethro ran to Moses because he knew that only Moses could answer his questions. When the jailer in Philippi ran to Paul and Silas, he had a burning question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the gospel. At the same time, if you still don't have a story to tell, if you don't have faith in Jesus, if you remember only one thing from this morning, may it be this. If God can save Paul and Jethro, if God can save a sinner like me, He can save someone like you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and you will be saved. That message in Acts 16, that's it's an imperative. God is declaring to you, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But until the Lord cuts your heart and opens your eyes and gives you the gift of faith, this is impossible. You cannot believe on your own. You cannot save yourself. You cannot buy your salvation. For us, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And in the end, we see that evangelizing, even evangelizing our family is not difficult or scary. Many times it's just that, sharing what God has done in our lives. Or as many pastors say, evangelizing is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's one person forgiven by the grace of God telling another how to be forgiven. This is what Timothy learned at the feet of his mother and grandmother. This is what Moses learned next to the burning bush. And this is what Jethro learned from his son-in-law. And this is what you're hearing every Sunday, every Sunday here in church. Not long ago, I was in a supermarket in, in Toledo uh, where I saw ribeye loins, a whole loins of ribeye on sale, half off. Uh, so instead of costing $15 a pound, yes, it's, meat is cheaper in Spain, um, $15 a pound, they were on sale for $7 a pound. Well, on that shelf, there were still a few whole loins, each one, five, six pounds each. So I immediately grabbed one, and uh, put it in my cart, and grabbed another one, calling and calling Jonathan, one of my elders, on the provisional session of my church. The price was so great that I couldn't keep it to myself. I had to share it with my fellow carnivores and those who enjoy meat. If, it had been in, if Robert and Cindy had been in Spain, I would have been calling him and saying, I got a ribeye for you. <clears throat> it was too great to keep to myself. I wanted to share this good news with my friends. And if we call our friends to tell them of such a super deal in the supermarket, if we call them to tell them that shoes are on sale half off at Belk, why do you fear to visit them and tell them about the greatest gift in the whole world? Why do you fear to tell them all that God did to save you? If you truly love them, Tell them the great story of Jesus and his love. Tell them how you celebrate Father's Day, not just once a year, but every day of the year, 
Because by faith, God the Father has adopted you as his son or as his daughter. Tell them how you celebrate Father's Day every time that you pray the Lord's Prayer. Every time that we talk to our Heavenly Father, morning, day, and night. Because our God is faithful. And that is a message worth sharing to our friends, to our family. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that you are our God. We thank you for your perfect word and for the way that you have used others to to preach the gospel to us, to bring us to your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use us to share your word with the unbelieving world around us, to invite our friends from the playground and from school to come to church, to come to Bible studies, to invite our friends from work, to invite our neighbors, to invite even our father-in-laws, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, and our children to come hear the great news that there is hope, that there is forgiveness for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you, we pray, that you are our Father, that by faith in Jesus you have adopted us as your children. Father, we adore you, we worship you, and we praise you because you are worthy of all praise. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.